0: Good morning. good morning welcome to the house of the Lord today so this has been a really good week uh, Tuesday night we had our, our, our prayer walk and uh, we had a we had a pretty good turnout and it was just an awesome experience and everybody that I've talked to that was there and was involved just just that awesome it was just to go through the community and to pray um, we hit up the schools uh, the courthouse uh, the hospitals motels uh, United, I believe we had several people just driving around town praying. So that was awesome, you know, and and we want to continue to do that, and we'll probably schedule another one here in a couple of months. But we don't have to wait till we do these prayer walks to pray for our community. You know, we can do it right here in church. We can do it at our homes. We can do it when we go to the store. We can do it as we're driving through town. So we just need to be in continuing prayer for our community, and just for healing of our community, and for the people in it. But it was a Very awesome night and I can't wait to do it again. And then yesterday, we started uh, our first meeting for the walk coming up in August. and I got to spend the day with some brothers that I really love and and just to get to see them and hang out. And it's, uh, it's a month and a half away for this walk and it's already full. And that's something that hasn't been happening here lately. You know, me and my wife, we always wonder why on the application it has $200 on there and they were talking about way back in the day that people were trying so hard to get on these walks that they, were, that, you know, they paid for their own way. And then it just kind of stopped. So they started having to sponsor people to try to get people to go on the walk. So the fact that it's coming back around and, and we're a month and a half ahead and we're, it's already full and there's already a waiting list. And that's a good sign that you know, there's a change coming. There's a change coming in our nation. There's a change coming in this community. And there's a just Christian men and women are starting to step up. And, man, that's just awesome. But I encourage y'all, you know, pray about it. You women, there's still room to get on the walk in September. Men, there's still room to get on the walk in October. So I encourage y'all to, uh, to get signed up and to experience this and just to have an encounter with Christ that, man, it just, it's life-changing. For those of y'all that have been on it, it's life-changing. I got good friends right here that I got to hang out with them all day yesterday. And then when I left, I got a text, and he's asking me what time church started. So that was uplifting just to know that they were coming. And I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, man, but y'all don't let his image fool y'all. This guy's one of the best rappers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> in the Emmaus community, he's known as d <laughs> He can get up, and he can write some raps, and then it's awesome. So. But I love this guy, and I'm glad they're here. So will y'all please stand? We're going to read 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 verses 1 through 8. It says, For yourself, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spotfully treated in Philippi. Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhort, exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, neither was it in deceit but we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel even so we speak not as pleasing men but God who tests our hearts for neither at the time do we use flattering words or as you know nor, as you know nor as a cloak for covetousness God is witness nor do we seek glory from men either from you or from others when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ but we were gentle among you just as nursing mothers cherish their own children, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you have become dear to us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this opportunity just to come together and just to, just to receive your message. Father, I pray that you will open up our ears to hear this message and open up our hearts to receive it. Father, I just ask that you will remove me from this situation and just let your spirit flow through me, Father. Actually, these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So be seated. So a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. It's someone who, because of God's grace, conforms their words and ways to the life of life to the words and ways of Jesus. So, I ask, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? And if you answered yes, then I ask you, are you discipling to others? So, disciple to others means to help them follow Jesus. Discipling is deliberately doing spiritually good to someone so that he or she will become more like Christ. In the Great Commission, Matthew 28 19 and 20, it's one of my favorite verses. It says, Jesus commanded his followers, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. I see this command to make disciples applies to all who follow Jesus, not just to the preachers or the missionaries. And I love the way it says to all nations, you know, and a lot of people use that as as an excuse and a crutch to well, I don't have the money to go to other countries. I can't go to other nations. But the other nations means all people. You know, we're, we're missionaries. We're preachers. We're disciples everywhere we go. And God has given us each spiritual gifts that will help us to use in serving Jesus. 1 Peter four ten and 11 says, Just as each one of us received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Whoever speaks, let it be with God's words. Whoever serves, do so with the strength that God supplies, so that in him everything, so that in everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You know, I love that right there, so that everything, so that in everything God will be glorified. Man, if we could just live that lifestyle where everything we do glorifies God, just think of the difference this world would be. But part of the command to love others is using your gift to lead others to Christ. That's what discipleship is. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be using your gifts. And today I want to talk about effective discipleship. See, discipleship's not a program that you can sign up for in church. It's a culture of the church. And it begins at our homes with parents teaching their kids and discipling their kids And it should be a rippling effect that goes out into the church and into the community. Paul gives three crucial ingredients in our key text today for effective discipleship that is built on a godly message through a godly manner and with a godly motive. See, the godly message is the gospel. The godly manner is love for others. And the godly motive is to please God with all your heart. So if you're doing all three of these things, God will use you So I want to look at these three aspects of discipleship. First, discipleship is built on a godly message. That's the gospel of God. As we know, Paul faced many attacks from preaching the gospel. In verses 2 and verses 8, he refers to it as the gospel of God. You see, it's not a gospel that he made up. It's not a gospel that any of the other disciples made up. It came directly from God who revealed it to him. And this gospel stands against any other system of religion in the world including those religions that try to go under the banner of Christianity. These false gospels preach that the way to get to heaven is by some program of good works, that faith in Christ and good works are combined, that by doing penance for your sins, going to church, having moral behavior, helping others, and giving to the church, that you can accumulate merits to get you into heaven. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we are saved from God's judgment by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, resulting in good works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. See, I've said it a hundred times, you can't work your way into heaven. A lot of religions believe that. But through our salvation and through our love for Christ, good works should just flow from us. See, the gospel is good news for us because it promises to freely forgive all of our sins for those who believe in Christ. So why does the gospel receive such opposition? Why would anybody have a problem with such great news? because the gospel confronts pride and it takes away all grounds for boasting in our good deeds it requires us to admit that we are sinners in need of a savior it requires us to humble ourselves before God and for a person that's full of pride that's a very challenging task (laughs) and for unbelievers they don't want to hear of God's wrath and the judgment against sinners so they oppose the messengers of gospel the messengers of the gospel but even when they oppose us We should never back down or apologize for the message. Paul was mistreated for preaching the gospel, but he never changed it. I had a guy yesterday, and this guy, he's uh, he's very spirit-filled, and the way he tells the stories is just beautiful, so I'm going to try to tell it the way he did, but I'm going to mess it up, so I'm telling you ahead of time. It's not going to be near as good as the way he said it. But he said that there was this guy, his name was Saul, and he was walking down the street, and he had an encounter with God. The next day, his name was Paul. He said, so he went to one town. And he said, hey, y'all, let me tell you about what happened. I was walking down the street, and I had an encounter with God. And he said, they started throwing rocks at him. Knocked him out, drug him out to, this, to the edge of the city, and left him there. You know what he did? He got up, went to the next town, and said, hey, y'all, let me tell y'all something. I was walking down the street, and I had an encounter with God. And he said, this continued and continued and continued. And he said one day he was headed to Jerusalem, and he got beat up so bad that the guards had to carry him into the garrison. But on his way up there, he said, hold on, y'all, just let me tell these people one more thing. And they're like, you sure you want to tell them? And he's like, yeah, let me tell them one more thing. They're like, all right. So he gets up there, and he says, hey, y'all, let me tell y'all something. I was walking down the street one day, and I had an encounter with God. You see, no matter what happened to Paul, no matter how much opposition that he had, he continued to preach the truth of the gospel with love. See, false teachers, they don't want to tell people about sin and about the judgment that's to come. See, they want to build up people's self-esteem and tell them how Jesus can make their life better here on earth. But as disciples, we should be more concerned about eternal salvation than temporary life. And second, discipleship is built on a godly manner, which is love for people. 1 Thessalonians 2.7 says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So when people feel the love of Christ through us, they will be more likely to listen to the gospel that we have to share. This is something that's very hard for me, to be gentle. Sometimes I just feel like, man, if I already told you once, I shouldn't have to tell you again. I guess that's the father in me, you know, I don't want to have to tell my kids more than once. And gentleness is not often respected, a respected quality in our society. More often it's power and assertiveness that, gain, that gains all the respect, but gentleness is love and action, being considerate, meeting the needs of others, allowing time for the other person to talk, and being willing to learn is essential for the Christian men and women. Just like the image of a nursing mother holding her baby next to her, protecting her child is the picture of love, we should have that same love for others. And you mothers know that these babies take up a lot of time. They dirty their diapers. They scream when they're hungry or when they don't feel good. They wake you up in the middle of the night. And they require a lot of attention. Well, guess what? So do new Christians. They have a lot of questions. They stumble many times. So that means that you can't love others unless you're willing to sacrifice yourself and your time and to be inconvenienced but it's through your love that they will grow. Paul had deep feelings for these new converts, and he let them know verbally. In verse 8, he says that they were pleased to not only impart the gospel of God, but also their own lives on them. A part of loving others and sharing your soul with them involves being vulnerable and open. We can't try to make others believe that we have it all together. We should live openly and truthfully before God and before others. We can't effectively disciple unless we're willing to be truthful about our own failures and our own struggles. And third, discipleship is built on a godly motive, pleasing God from the heart. Paul gives us several ways to please God from our hearts. We can please God when we seek his glory and not our own. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, but we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. God lived his life with a Godward focus. And pleasing God and glorifying God begins at the heart and thought level, since after all, God examines our hearts. We can fool people out in public on who we are, but God knows our hearts, so we have to change the way we think. We can please God by enduring trials with steadfast joy. That's a hard one, ain't it? I mean, how many of us are going through trials and just want to celebrate? All right, God put me in another trial. You know, that's not the way we think. We start thinking, man, get me out of this. What have I done to deserve this? But Paul mentions that he and Silas were mistreated many times. And in Acts 16, it tells about, says that they were beaten and put in jail without a trial. But at midnight, they were singing praises to God. And he wrote Philippians while he was in prison in Rome. And Philippians over, overflows with the joy for the Lord. <clears throat> Philippians 4, four says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, if you're sitting in prison for something that you haven't done, can you imagine just sitting there saying rejoice in the Lord? You know, he's facing execution, and he's just rejoicing in the Lord. No matter what Paul was going through, he continued to joyfully preach the gospel wherever he went. I've seen many people begin to follow God and to serve the Lord but when they get criticized or they go through the first little trial they quit. They drop out of church completely or they distance themselves from serving. But when you're serving the Lord it's not going to be a Sunday picnic. It's not a little walk in the park. It's a spiritual warfare and the more you serve the more the enemy is going to attack you. And the sad thing about it is these attacks don't usually come from the outside world. They often come from the church or from your own family. And we please God through pure doctrine. 1 Thessalonians 2, 3 says, For our, our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, nor was it deceit. So the truth of the gospel is found foundational. God is the God of truth, whose word is truth. Paul tells Timothy and Titus repeatedly to use sound doctrine. Sound doctrine leads to spiritual health while weak doctrine leads to spiritual sickness and disease. 2 Timothy 4, 1-5 says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears from away from the truth and be turned aside in fables. But you be watchful in all things endure afflictions, do the work of the evangelist and fulfill your ministry. We're living in that time right now. People don't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. When you start preaching the truth of the gospel, they start turning their backs on you. We've got churches that are splitting up because they've changed what the, what the gospel says. And when you preach the biblical truth, you're going to be attacked. But you can't change it. We can't change what the Bible says just because we're hurting somebody's feelings. Because the people that are attacking you, it's because they're comfortable living in their own hidden sins. But we have to be bold enough to speak the truth because it's essential for effective discipleship. And we please God by avoiding deception and manipulation. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 and 6 says, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have, might have made the bands as as apostles of Christ. A deceitful person will tell you what, you what you want to hear. They have a good way with words. A lot of times we call them insurance salesmen. They enjoy getting up in front of, and talking in front of people. And they don't care what they have to say, whether it's the truth or the biggest lie there is, as long as you follow them and do what they say. They dodge the hard truth of, of Scripture so that they don't scare people off. But by doing this, they get people to believe the lies of Satan and not the truth about God. See, effective discipleship takes work and a willingness to serve it requires a godly message which is the true gospel of god a godly manner which is to love which is love for others and a godly motive which is pleasing god with your own heart with all your heart you know we're all called to be disciples we're all called to lead and sometimes that gets scary and we think we're not we're not equipped and we're not prepared but i was thinking about something last night those of you that have, that have had kids, whether you're a mom or a dad, you know, when your first kid's about to be born, you're scared. You're worrying about what you're going to do, if you're going to be a good mom or if you're going to be a good dad. And then when the baby's born, it just happens. You know, we know what to do. It's embedded in us. And that's the same way with discipleship. Once you make that commitment to serve the Lord, once you make that commitment to follow God, He's going to give you what you need. You don't have to worry about, I don't know enough about the Bible. I've only been doing this a little while. I'm scared. I I don't like talking in front of people. Whatever it is, God's going to give you what you need. And he's going to lead you. And he's going to give you the strength. So we don't have to fear being disciples. We don't have to fear sharing the love for Christ with others. And I pray that the churches, not just this church, but all churches, will just step up and have the boldness to lead and to be disciples. And it could be as simple as having a good friend just text you and show up. He may not think it's a big deal, but you know them getting up and driving an hour and a half this morning just to come to church here, that means a lot to me. And that just shows God's love from them to me. And that's just awesome, and I thank y'all for that. So something that simple can make somebody's day and can just show them God's love so we don't have to go out and do something extravagant just loving each other being there for each other and cherishing each other so you please stand we're gonna open up the altar for anybody that wants to receive God for the first time or wants to join the church but more importantly for anybody that just wants to step up and say man I'm ready I'm ready to serve I'm ready to follow I want to be all in but I encourage you this week to, to be praying for the Thompsons and just the wonderful people they are and, and, and their hearts and just the way they serve this community, just to be with them and to be with their family and also with Kevin as he's struggling with the problems that he has in his back and the pain he has in his back. And the communities of Matador and Perryton that have been hit with the tornadoes and also the, the Parr family, I know they're struggling. I mean, that was just something that was, you know, it was a surprise. You know, nobody was expecting that, so just be with them. But I'm going to pray, and we'll open up the altar. My heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this message. Father, I just pray that you will just, uh, just impart this message into our hearts, Father, that we will go out in this community, that we will just look for opportunities to be disciples and look for opportunities to serve you, Father. Father, I just want to come to you and ask uh, that you'll be with the Thompsons. And Father, whether it's a heavenly... Healing or a earthly healing, Father, I just ask that you will give it to them. Father, I ask that you'll be with Kevin, that you will be with the pain that's in his back, and that you will just heal it, and then whatever that they, that they claim that they saw the other day will be gone when he goes back. Father, I just lift up this community. Father, we just turn this community over to you. Father, we welcome you into this community. We rebuke Satan, and we rebuke the lies, and we rebuke the enemy from this community, Father. Father, I just ask that uh, you'll just give us the hearts that anything we do. We'll do it to glorify you. Father, we love you and we praise you. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.